Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Uh, the great comfort and assurance that we experience in the Christian life is always found in the Word of God. There are many different avenues where we can be comforted this morning. Uh, also, maybe find assurance that everything will be all right. Maybe through our spouse and through our family and maybe through friends and good fellowship among Christians. And it could be maybe a time of solitude by yourself and getting away from the busyness of life and maybe prayer. And it could be a time of serving God and seeing fruit and just uh, always being fervent in the ministry. And that could be a great encouragement to you and I. But the greatest, I believe, the assurance that God gives us is, are his words. It is the word of God that gives us strength and encouragement and assurance. Let us notice some scripture how the word of God is very sure, how it is the strength that we need and it is the assurance that we need. And if you look on the screen, the Bible says in Psalm 89 that God will never change what has spoken concerning his covenants and promises. The Bible says, my covenant will not break nor alter, meaning change, the thing that is gone out of my lips. And the Bible says that God, whenever he speaks, he means what he says. He'll never go back on it. He never says whoops about what he has said before. He has never made a mistake, especially concerning covenants and also promises. He says, what I have spoken, I have spoken. And uh, uh, nothing will change this promise and this covenant. So God's word, as we have it today, it is God's written word, of course, but also it was spoken first. And God spoke to the Holy Spirit through the holy men who wrote these scriptures down. And nation, what God has written and what God has spoken in the past, he means what he has said. And we don't need to change it or alter it, God's people say. Amen. We could just believe it as it is today. And God's words will stand forever. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withereth and flower faded, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know, the world will pass away, and a lot of the things that we see today, and uh, we'll face judgment and the great tribulation, and everything that we see will never be the same, but the word of God will always be the same. The word of God stands forever. His word is also forever. It is already settled in heaven. In Psalm 119, verse 89, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You see, the word of God is in eternity. And we need to recognize that today. And sometimes we might think that the word of God is temporary. Maybe it is only for this time, maybe just for our lifetime. No, the word of God that we know today as we hold this book will be found up in heaven as well. And we must be standing assured in that because the word of God is for eternity. Oh, Christ's words will never pass away. The, the present world might, but not his words, no matter what happens. And in Luke chapter 21, verse 33, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. So from these scriptures, it's very clear that his words are reliable. It will never change. It will always stand. It is forever. It will never pass away. But as Christians this morning, we agree that 
God and his word will never fail. But I believe the greatest question for us, as much as we know that the word of God will never fail, I wonder if we really rely on the word of God. We know that it's reliable today, but do we rely on the scripture? Do we read it every day? Do we meditate upon it? Do we claim the promises of God? We know that we know it to be true and we know it to be sure. We know that it stands forever, but does it truly reign in your heart? Is it applicable to you? Do you rely on the scripture this morning? We know it to be true, but do you trust it? That's the question. You know it to be promising, but do you hope in the word of God? You know it to be powerful, but do you claim the power? We know it to be comforting, but do we allow it to comfort our hearts? We know it to be assurings, but do we sincerely believe in it? And I'd like to ask you this very simple question this morning. How much do you rely on the Word of God for your life? How much do you spend each day reading and learning and memorizing the Scripture? And you might be thinking, I am very busy. You've got to understand, preacher. I have a lot of things to do every single day. I've got to go to work. I've got to take care of my children. I've got to take care of my family. But ladies and gentlemen, those things will fail unless we have the word of God. We need God's word blessing those busyness of life. Our family, our work, and we need to claim the promises of God's word as we go to work and as we rear our family. You see, God will never bless anybody unless the word of God is placed in the heart of that man or woman. And we need to make sure we visit the scripture and that, and that we claim the word of God. Oh, George Mueller was a pastor back in the 19th century, contemporary with Charles Spurgeon. He's famously known for his prayer life and the orphanage that he ran. And uh, I always thought, reading his materials, that his orphanage was very small and maybe with few children. But to my amazement, the picture gives the evidence of a very busy, busy minister and a busy ministry. And if you look at maybe the next three slides, you see uh, big buildings like these uh, are, were for the orphans. And, and they had uh, not just maybe 10 or 20, but they had several hundreds of orphans living in this capacity. And then also, if you look at the next uh, slides there, we see a chapel meeting. And then we see a group picture outside in the foyer there. And you see how big this ministry was for George Mueller. He had a very busy life. It is said that this man wrote over 30,000 letters per year for 40 years. That's 120,000 letters by hand. Not by printing, not by computer. But he wrote 120,000 letters by hand in his lifetime. And he also over, uh, saw nine assistants working in dozen languages. And he pastored approximately 1,200 believers and had the oversight of five large orphanages. Not only did he have an orphanage, but he had a congregation over 1,000 people. He was a very busy man. He also had a huge publishing house and printed, distributed millions of books, tracts, and Bibles, also in the, even in different languages. You see, through a very busy ministry and a busy life, George Mueller knew that he needed the Word of God more than anything else. Yes, 
running the orphanage, yes, having a congregation of thousand people might have encouraged him along the way, but he always had to visit the great source of encouragement, the great source of revival, and that was the Word of God. It is known that he read through the Bible more than 100 times in his life. He read through the Bible 100 times in his life. I think about myself, I've been saved since uh, 1999, and uh, it's been now uh, six, 17 years, and I thank God for my salvation, and uh, I think I probably read uh, the scripture through, and, and I have uh, uh, picked out different books, I read those books over and over again, but... Uh, I probably read from Genesis to Revelation and, and that process there maybe a good uh, 10 or 15 times. And, uh, but George Mueller did it 100 times in his life. And with all the business, he wanted to make sure that he got the Word of God in his heart and that God's blessing was upon him. He once said, I never think of going to my Word without first having a good season of time with God and my Bible. And ladies and gentlemen, all the different roles of your life demands your time. But recognize that there is one person who demands your time more than anybody else or anything else. And his name is God. You might give your time for making money and preparing for the future and running your business, providing for your family. But there is a great person up in heaven who wants your time. And by the way, he has given you time. Time is a gift from the Lord. The reason why you woke up this morning and had the time to dress up and had the time to come to church and have the time to have service today is because of the, because of the grace of God. And they said we need to make sure that we always honor the great gift that God has given us and not waste this time just having busyness. But we need to make sure we visit the Word of God and that we have the Word of God encourage us along the way. There are a lot of things might encourage you, yes, but I believe the Word of God will revive you and, and also renew you so that you could become a better Christian, so you could become a better mother and better father and better husband and better spouse and, and, uh, and a wife and, and a better Christian. And uh, you might be busy, but you're not becoming better. That's a big difference. Between uh, somebody who's getting encouraged through business alive and a person who's getting uh, uh, encouraged through the Word of God. You see, a person who's getting encouraged by God's Word is being changed within the hearts of that person. And I believe that is everlasting. I think about the scripture in Luke chapter 10 concerning Martha and Mary. Now it came to pass as they went and enter, entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received them into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had led me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. So, you know, as we think about Martha, she meant well to invite Jesus into her home and she she was busy getting the meal ready and getting the house ready for this visitation. And uh, she looked over to Mary, and Mary was not doing anything. So Martha gets a little frustrated, and, uh, and, uh, and she just directly tells, not Mary, but to who? To Jesus. Okay. You know, uh, bitter people okay, tend to shake their fists at God instead of maybe the surroundings. 
And, uh, you know, that's how rebellious we are in our sinful nature. And that's what Martha does. And Lord does not care that my sister had led me to serve alone. Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. In verse 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Maybe Martha thought that she'll find encouragement in having Jesus over and, and just being busy and doing all that she can for Jesus. But she missed the, the greatest part of having Jesus come to her house. The greatest part was to hear his words. And ladies and gentlemen, the greatest part about being a Christian is that we have God's word and we believe in it. And we have the word of God thoroughly cleansing us, edifying us, molding us. That is the best part of the Christian life. Yes, thank God for answered prayer, and you might get some blessings here and there, and you might get a new promotion, and you might get a new job, and you might get a new house, and not have an answer to prayer. But those things are all temporary. What God does in your heart, that is everlasting. And he uses the scripture to do that. That's why the greatest encouragement, the greatest edification, the greatest renewal is found in God's word. Because God's word stands this short. And it is for all eternity. And we need to be a Mary to rely on the word of God. And it will comfort us. It will strengthen us. It will guide us. It will make us wise. It will deliver us from discouragement. And we need to stop relying on things of this world and the busyness of life to encourage you and I. But we need to find that great assurance in the word of God and visit it once again. Elijah was very fervent and zealous prophet of God. He was in every way busy for the Lord. He stood boldly against the false prophets of idols, and he confronted the wicked king Ahab. And uh, Ahab said, hey, you're the one that's troubling Israel. And, and Elijah didn't shy away. He said, no, you're the one that's troubling Israel. Elijah was a very bold preacher. And he even slew the prophets of Baal in Mount Carmel. And he saw great miracles. He that fervent prayer where he saw the rain cease and also how the rain came. His fervent faith also brought down fire from heaven. He was assured of his life by what he experienced and what God can do. And through it all, Elijah was still a man, though. When Queen Jezebel wanted to seek his life and to kill him, Elijah got really discouraged. Yes, just a moment ago, he was confronting Ahab. Yes, he was bold. Yes, he was finding encouragement to see the fire come down from heaven to devour and consume the altar before the prophets of Baal, proving that he was the true Jehovah God and he was the living God of Israel. But Elijah, as soon as he hears that Jezebel is out to get him, he gets really discouraged. So how does God encourage and assure Elijah he encourages him with his words. I'd like to share with you three spiritual encouragement that God gives Elijah through his words. First of all, let us also notice, number, number one, let us notice that God's presence in his word. God's presence in his word. In verse 11 and down to verse 12, and it said, Go forth and stand up on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, 
But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire, a still, small voice. We notice some natural disasters as we read the scriptures here. A strong, great wind renting the mountains and breaking up the rocks. And great earthquake and a great fire coming through. I mean, Elijah was probably... Uh, very un- ast- astonished to see all this. But each time when these powerful forces of nature came through, Elijah notices the fact that Lord, the Lord was not in them. The wind passed by, rents the rocks, breaks up the mountains, but God was not in them. Earthquake happens, God was not in them. A fire comes through, I mean, that's... That's a miraculous itself. I mean, that's a miracle itself. I mean, you never see fire come through uh, uh, just out of nowhere. But Elijah notices that God's not in the fire. But after these three events, the wind, the earthquake, and the fire, the Bible says, a still, small voice. Whose voice is that? God's. The Lord must have wanted Elijah to notice that it's not what you see that's going to encourage you and assure you, but it's about what you hear. Let me talk to you, Elijah. Let me give you my words. Let me give you my promises. Let me give you my truth. This is what you need, Elijah. And ladies and gentlemen, in most cases in our discouragement and insecurity, we just need to hear the word of God. Sometimes we want to see something different. We want to see something visual. But God says, I want you to rely on my words. My still, small voice. I want you to hear me out. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, faith doesn't come by sight. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, it's very clear that uh, uh, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't have faith in God because we saw something. No, we have faith in God because God told us something. We have faith in God's Word. You know, uh, thank God I received Christ as my personal Savior, but I've never seen Jesus face to face. And uh, I have not in any way uh, seen his uh, pierced side and, and uh, 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 pierced hand. I've I, I never seen that. I was never there when Jesus was crucified. I was never there when Jesus Christ rose again 2,000 years ago. But the Word of God says he did all those things. And it spoke to my heart. And I received the gospel, not by what I saw, but what I heard. And that's your testimony today. And we need to live out that same Christian life in faith by hearing the word of God. And that's what God wanted to prove to Elijah. Elijah, you saw some great miracles before, and let me show you again. There's earthquake, there's fire, yes, there's wind. But I want you to know, I'm not in all those things right now. I want you to know, I am encouraging you by my words. This is what you need. You see, it's not let me see it, and then I'll believe it. No, let me hear it, and I'll believe it. And most of us, our faith is so circumstantial. Why? Because we believe and gain assurance by what we see and experience all the time. 
But that's not faith. Faith is not circumstantial. No, it's by conviction. And ladies and gentlemen, circumstantial faith is conditional. But a faith of conviction is unconditional. Let me say that again. Circumstantial faith, if you have that this morning, it's very conditional. You get blessed by God. Oh, wow, I believe in God. I know I could trust God. But when God doesn't bless you and you go through a trial, guess what happens? You stop believing in God. You stop trusting in God. You see how it became very conditional because of your circumstantial faith. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe we need to have a faith that is uh, uh, that has truly conviction in our hearts that no matter what happens, hey, we know that God is still true and that God is real and that God can still bless and that God in every way is always forever and that he never changes. We need to have that same faith. Question for you, is God's word enough for you? Is the word of God enough for us? It was enough for the centurion who wanted his servants to be healed. Jesus was about to go, by the way. But the centurion said, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. What does Jesus say? Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Out of all the Pharisees, out of all the scribes and all the priests, all those religious people, I want you to know the, the, man, has, the man that has the greatest faith here in Israel is this Gentile centurion. Did you just hear what he said? He said, I don't need to go. He doesn't need to see it to believe it. He just needs to hear my words. That's a great faith. And ladies and gentlemen, we are living in that, I guess, picture of the centurion life. We don't have Jesus here. We can't say, Jesus, would you come and heal us? Or heal him or her or our family members. And We can't see what they saw 2,000 years ago. And we need to be like the centurion. Lord, I realize I can't see it, and I don't need to see it, but I still believe in you. And we're in a good spot, amen, to have great faith. The people in Jesus say, you know, uh, the temptation was, I got to be with Jesus. I got to see what it is, well, who he is. I got to hear him out. I got to see, see him for myself. I understand that. And, and many people believe Christ that way. But the greater faith is not by seeing, but by hearing and hearing only. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mound. We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye dwell that ye take heed. You know what uh, Peter was saying here was that, hey, I'm seeing Christ at the Mount Transfiguration. I heard God's voice audibly. But I want you to know we have an equal inspired words of God. And that is a scripture, he says. The scripture that the holy prophets wrote by the Holy Spirit. He says, this written word of God is equivalent to 
the words that are heard in Mount Transfiguration. The audible word is equivalent to the written word. You see how powerful this book is this morning. Do you rely on it today? Do you find assurance in it today? You see, God's presence is right here. It's right here. You hold it here this morning. And he wants to speak to you. How many times did you read it this week? How many times did you visit God's presence? I hope it's not just sitting on the shelf or maybe in the car somewhere and you just take it out on Sunday morning. I hope God's presence is with you all the time because the Word of God is with you all the time and the Word of God is being, is being read and also meditate upon it within your hearts. Oh, the, world, the worldly people in every way, they have happiness, but they have no joy. And they try to find encouragement, but they'll never find that renewal and that revival in their heart because they don't visit the Word of God. They try to seek it somewhere else. And the greatest encouragement is in God's presence. It is a, a note that in 2008, 4,000 book, uh, over 4,000 books were published in ha- on happiness, with significantly more than 50 which were published in 2000. Now, I know this is an old stat, but man, can you imagine how many books of happiness is, uh, 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 that has been published this year or maybe even last year? Probably way more than 4,000. And how many people are taking antidepressant pills in this country? And the the majority of doctors' visits these days is about depression. American people, yes, they have the luxury, they have the, uh, I guess, the finances compared to a third world country, but they're not happy. You know why? Because they don't have God's word in their heart. They don't have the presence of God. They don't have hope. They don't have joy. They see their house. They see their cars. Yes, they were happy ones with those things, but they want more. And they can never be happy. And they can never have joy. Why? Because God's presence is not in them. And as Christians, may we not follow that same footstep. The circumstantial faith. Faith that just sees and believes. No, true faith is about believing by hearing. Rely on the word of God, my friend. That is your joy. And this is what you need today. So with that, not only God's presence, but God's prophecy in his word. God's prophecies in his word. Verse 15 down to verse 17. And the Lord said unto him, Go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jew, the son of Nimshi, has shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat uh, of uh, uh, Abel Melhola, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escaped it from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. You see, God assures Elijah through his word of prophecy that he will take care of the future. Israel's sins of idolatry. God says, I will use King Hazel of Syria to recompense and judge his people for their sin. And he does so. The house of Ahab and Jezebel. Jezebel who was seeking after Elijah's life. God will use Jehu to recompense and judge them. And they will die. Especially Jezebel. Your notable position as a prophet, Elijah. I will use Elisha to replace you. You see, 
through these prophecies, through these promises, God was simply saying to Elijah, believe my words, I will take care of the future. You're worried about what's going to happen in the future concerning Israel. You say that all the people in Israel have forsaken me and, and that they have served idolatry and you've been very zealous. And then uh, uh, Jezebel is seeking your life and you're about what's going to happen. And you're all discouraged. You're in this mountain by yourself. Hey, I want you to know I'll take care of it if you just anoint King Aziel. And if you just anoint Jehu. And if you just anoint Elijah, I will take care of the future. I will take care of Israel concerning their sins. Don't worry about it. Just keep on preaching my word. I will take care of Jezebel who is seeking your life. And I will take care of her life in the days to come through Jehu. And I will take care of her position. You're not the only person, Elijah. You are very replaceable. I will have Elijah to take your place. How many of you believe that God knows what he's doing? Elijah was weeping and just being discouraged and and just thinking, hey, what I see just looks very dire and it looks very hopeless. But God says, I'm already in your tomorrow. I know what you need to do. I know who I'm going to use. I've planned this even before the foundation of the world. And they said, man, I don't know what kind of future you have, but God is already in your tomorrow. God knows how he's going to provide for you, and God knows how he's going to keep his promises. And if you believe that to be true, then find encouragement in the Word of God because the Word of God is full of promises. It is full of prophecies. I think about this world who is laughing and just shaking their fists at God and just committing their sins and their pleasure and thinking that the judgment will never come. I'm just reading Revelation for my devotion. The world will be surprised when the judgment comes. And when the judgment comes, they will hide in the rocks, the Bible says. And they'll beg the mountains to fall upon them because of the wrath of the Lamb. They're not laughing anymore. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God knows how he's going to judge the world. He's going to keep his promises. And as Christians, sometimes it's very hard to stand up for what is right. It is hard to stand up for the Christian walk and the testimony. But in this year, my friend, God will show him to be true. And God will fulfill his plan, the tribulation and the thousand-year reign. And by the way, what a wonderful reign that will be. A thousand-year reign. Seven years is a very short period. I know it's a devastating period. Seven years, I understand. But it's a very short period. A thousand years is very long. And God will reign. Jesus Christ will reign. We don't have to say, hey, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. No, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's right there in Jerusalem. And God will fulfill his promises concerning his prophecies. And there is a heaven. 
There is a golden street. There is a uh, pearly gates. There is a, a big mansion waiting for you. So whatever you go through in this world, don't be discouraged. Read the word of God. Read the promise of God's word. Read what he says concerning the future. Have hope in it, my friend. And rely on it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God in him are yea, in him and yea, men, unto the glory of God by us. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you're relying on today. Those things are all temporary. Those things are shaky at best. Rely on the word of God. Rely on the prophecies and the promises of God's word. And if your maybe family member is not saved, hey, claim the word of God. I think about my mother, and after she got saved, she claimed uh, that scripture in the book of Acts when the centurion got saved. And, and uh, Peter says, believe in the Lord Jesus. Uh, not the centurion, the, the prison guard, I apologize. And... Uh, and uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, but anyways, and the prison guard uh, was, get, uh, was saying, what must I do to be saved? And Paul, and, and Paul says, uh, hey, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And uh, my mother claimed that scripture. And thank God, you know, uh, uh, yes, my dad lived a short life, but just a year before he passed away, he received Christ as personal Savior. She prayed for him 10 years to be saved. She went through a lot so that he could be saved. Verbal abuse, physical abuse. But then he got saved. He's in heaven today. Because one lady in the home claimed God's word. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved and thy house. See, ladies and gentlemen, you just claim God's word. I don't know, if it might take one year or two years, 10 years, 20 years, but God will fulfill his promises. Amen? Believe in that. The prophecies and the promises of God's word. Elijah needed it. Number three, lastly, God's providence in his word. Verse 18, but yet I have let me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And Elijah thought he was the only one, he was, only, he was the only one zealous and passionate to do God's will and commandment. But God reveals to Elijah through his words, I have 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed to Baal. And we must wonder, why did God withhold this information from Elijah till this time? Why didn't God let Elijah know before Mount Carmel, before he slew the prophets of Baal? He was withholding this information for such a time as this. Because he knew that Elijah would be discouraged. So, Elijah, let me share with you more of my words. Let me share with you the great wonder and the great plan that I have for Israel. And let me share with you that 7,000 people have not bowed to Baal, just like you. You know, sometimes we read God's word, we read God's word, and we read God's word, and feel like, hey, not, I'm not getting anything out of it. But, ladies and gentlemen, you keep on visiting God's word every single day, and one day God will give you something that you need it so de- desperately for that day. And God will review, reveal it to you just an extra revelation from the word of God, from the truth of God. And that's what Elijah need, needed. Just that extra revelation 
Yeah, he knew that God was a Jehovah God. He was a living God. He could do all things. Fire come down, rain come down. He could do all these things. But he needed extra assurance about the fact that he was not the only one. And God says, let me share with you, 7,000 people have not bowed to Baal. And uh, the word of God is always enough. And that's what we need. And stop looking for something else. Stop looking for extra revelation for, uh, in different sources. Is God working there? God's working there. No. Visit the very first source first. Right here. The book right here. You visit this first. Stop making hasty decisions by what you see all the time. Make your decision based on what God reveals to you from his word. And when you're discouraged, when you're distressed, go to this book first before your friends, before even you, uh, before even me as a pastor. I don't, I don't know how many times I've maybe counseled somebody and, and especially Christians who've been a Christian for quite some time. And uh, they come to me for counsel, and I share with them what the Bible says. And then the person says, oh, yes, I know that preacher. And I say, well, let me just assure you, that's what the Bible says. And, uh, and, and with great delight, you know, some people have said, yeah, I just needed assurance. I know that's what the Bible says. That God's word is enough. Just go to the book. You don't need to go anywhere else. That might sound shallow. That might, be, that might seem too practical. But it is the truth. What else do you need more, my friend? This is the most powerful source that we have in this world. Rely on it. Rely on it. It's reliable, but do you rely on it?